It's the dictionary. Dictionary. It's the dictionary. It's the dictionary. Dictionary. It's the dictionary. Dictionary. Hello, word nerds. Welcome to the dictionary. And uh, the sound probably is a bit different um, because I am in a very different location. I am at the Chunky Scone. Now, is it scone or scones? Because so I've it's seen the both. scones legally. Where the Chunky Scones Inc. <laughs> Chunky Scones Inc. Plural. Exactly. Uh, located in Highland Park, Illinois, just uh, a little bit north of Chicago. And I am here because I am here with Oscar, who makes I don't know a zillion different types of vegan foods. <laughs> we'll we'll talk more about those, but one of them in particular is the donut, the the wonderful classic donut and uh of course that is going to be in this episode so oscar yes thank you so much for being on the show oh thank you for having me i am i'm very uh, happy to talk to you about donuts and other words in this episode some interesting words and um so who are you why why did you start this place what got you into this tell us everything sure well my name is oscar uh, I'm native to Mexico City, the best city in the world. <laughs> Not biased uh, at all. <laughs> uh, my parents brought me here when I was 15 years old. And we arrived to the city of Chicago. Uh, I was a teenager. It was hard to adjust to a new country, a new language, and new people. Uh, and um, uh went to... Uh, the uh, um, high school, uh, Clement High School in Chicago, which is on Division and Western. Mm. And after that, I went to Truman College on Wilson and Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, I just did tons of jobs until I... Um, I think I've always had a, a liking for bread. Mm-hmm. Always, since I was a little kid. And I think that was instilled by my grandmother. She used to, uh, she used to have always bread at her, at, at her house, and one of the breads that I liked the most was, well, I guess two kinds. It was conchas, which is you know a Mexican sweet bread, usually made with brioche, which is made with milk, eggs, and flour and sugar. Uh, my obviously I veganized the version. Mm-hmm. Now I make it vegan and I actually sell it here at the store. Um, but that was one of, one, one of my grandma's favorite bread to eat. And another bread that she brought me to bed because she was very loving and caring. Uh, I was basically raised by her. She, mm-hmm. uh, uh, my parents worked a lot uh, being in the, uh, in the city, you know. Uh, my mom worked for a bank and my dad was a, a typewriter, typewriter technician. Mm. So he, he would fix type, typewriters for companies like Olympia, um, Brother. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess they're still around, but I don't know. I don't know about Olympia, but Brother, I think they do still do printers and such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Printers uh, for sure. Yeah. So they have, you know, transformed their, their business yeah, model. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so they were busy trying to make it, you know, um, and they left me with my grandma basically every day. Maybe except for the weekends mm-hmm. where we would actually do something at times. But, uh, you know, being with my grandma, I uh, 
my my grandparents came from you know um, modest uh, origins. They didn't have much to like to offer as far as like you know luscious meals and right. tons of food. We just we stick to the basics: beans, uh, black beans, uh, eggs, uh, bread, tortillas, and uh, salsas. Mm-hmm. That's uh, and black coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my grandma loved black coffee. Uh, no sugar, just black. Mm-hmm. And she would give me black coffee too. <laughs> At 15, 16? <laughs> no, younger. <laughs> like five, six, seven. Oh, man. Uh, and so anyway, so she would bring me, uh, there were times when I would stay with my grandma, like for more than one day. Uh, and when I woke up, she would come with a tray. Kind of like, like waiters do at restaurants. <laughs> yeah. And she would give me uh, two slices of bread covered with butter and sugar mm. and when we had more money or she had more money she would buy sweet bread you know like conchas and all sorts of mexican bread that you can imagine um so that was instilling me and i started to gain weight because mm. you know bread it's heavy on carbohydrates bread butter sugar <laughs> eggs yeah all that <laughs> so my grand, my mom would fight with my grandma about why is my son getting so much weight with you? you know <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I I think that my grandma did her best, you know, to provide uh, a meal for me. And I what what I guess my mom and grandma didn't realize then is that because of that, it's where I am right here, sitting with you in front of you. It it started a love of food, exactly, all, all kinds. Exactly, they instilled me. My grandma instilled me. A love and appreciation for for food, uh, one because of uh, necessity. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have to eat. There's no question about that. Yeah. And secondly, um, I think when it comes to um, prices and what's cheaper, what's more cost effective, I would say flour has been probably one of the cheapest things to to get. You mm-hmm. know. And that's something that probably people have been doing for hundreds of years, mm-hmm. making things with flour, whether it's wheat or corn or any kind of flour. It's, it's just cheap. And I think oftentimes, you know, back in the day, uh, grandmas used to resort to to those kind of foods to provide a hearty meal. Yeah. You know? There's a reason bread is, you know, that's the the staple yeah, thing because exactly. it's cheap and yeah. When when a parent leaves and it's like, I want to go get a loaf of bread and a and a, a, a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, so yeah, that's uh, uh, in a in a little glimpse uh, what what I am today. You yeah. know, obviously I'm, I'm I have many hobbies. Cooking, I made a living out of one of my hobbies, which is great. I wish more people will pursue their their love, their love, their their interests that, that they love mm-hmm. uh, and that they're passionate about. Um, I think if if more people would pursue with passion and discipline and sacrifice the things that they love, I think we will have more happy people and less. 
uh, problems in the world. I, I believe, I strongly believe that. Yeah, me too. And, and we were talking a little bit before we started recording, uh, when of course you were you were frosting the donuts over there and and baking bread and biscuits. Um, you you we we were talking a little bit about that. And so what what was it for you that made you decide I am going to open up a restaurant or I'm going to get into this business in the first place and then open up a, re- a restaurant. What were some of like the sacrifices that you had to make or, or how, how difficult was that decision? It was very difficult. Um, I, I, I don't, I usually don't talk about these things because uh, yeah, don't feel like you have to go to no, too no, deep, no. What I mean is that I don't want to share. What I mean is that um, I like to, I like to keep a positive perspective in, in 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 the things that I do and the things that I project onto others. Mm-hmm. Um, not because it's I think it's better or people shouldn't know the hardships, but because I think that they don't need to know unless unless they ask me personally if, if I want to share, which I'm more than open to share. Like I'm going to share with you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I think, you know, my journey through food, the food industry, and why I'm here sitting with you in, in this bakery that we call the Chunky Scones, has to do with uh, the necessity, you know, that, 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 that my grandma saw when I was a child, uh, scarcity of food, not enough money to go, to go, go buy, I don't know, more food, you know, or to always have our, our, our uh, pantry uh, full of groceries, like a lot of people do. You know, we didn't have that. And I think when you when you grow with that scarcity, you tend to kind of like create some degree of trauma. Mm. And I think it is the trauma that push has pushed me to this point where I actually consciously make an effort to have an extra uh, supply of food. Now here, and when I was baking out of my house, in my house, which I don't know if it's good or bad, <laughs> but I always make sure I have a lot of flour in stock, a lot of uh, supplies just for baking. Like when COVID hit, you know, the the pandemic, I went crazy and I bought probably like a thousand pounds of flour and I had it in my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where? <laughs> in Somewhere. the basement. Yeah. In the basement. Um, uh, but that's that's how important food has become, and it is f- for me to this day. I think I'm slowly starting to realize that maybe I shouldn't, uh, I guess, see things through a trauma or a traumatic perspective, if you would. Where now I'm I'm no longer in that position, but I think I think just like with any other trauma, there's scars. Mm. And you, it's hard to not to let go of things that have scarred you. You know, I remember opening the fridge and seeing nothing, you know, in, in my house. And, and I was hungry. I was a kid. I did not understand it. I did not understand. Right. I was like, I'm hungry. And so what I would do is that I used to linger the streets a lot in Mexico City. And I guess one good thing about Mexico City is that there's a lot of uh, trees that actually give fruit. Mm. And I would just go to the trees and grab figs. Because for some reason where I lived, there were a lot of fig trees. Mm. 
and I would eat I, tons of figs. I hope you liked them. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> to this day, I love a good fig. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, that's the kind of trauma that I'm telling you about as to why that right. brings me to this place here. Um, and, and the scars, uh, they, they make you who you are. You know, like you can get far enough away where it doesn't really affect you as much anymore, mm-hmm. but it still made you who you are. Yeah, it still has an important place in your your dna sure yeah definitely yeah i think they create character yeah and i think that's very important to to function in life and to 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 just to face adversity Mm -hmm. Uh, it i think i think any person that can face adversity in any situation any field uh needs some degree of trauma yeah, it makes you stronger. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. So I know before you opened up the restaurant, you were doing a lot of like pop-ups and events and things like that. So were you doing all of that work at home, uh, baking and, and all that? Yeah, I was. Uh, I started from my own house out of an accident um, because I, 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 when I became vegan in 2011, it was very hard to find food. Mm. as a vegan mm-hmm. like i'm gonna go to julasco and get vegan stuff i there were very few things in 2011 yeah i don't know if you can relate oh yes definitely yeah um, there was maybe like a couple of kinds of you know veggie burgers that probably weren't all that great exactly it's totally different now it is and so i think and i i, I think this is something that a lot of vegans uh face or how especially like old school vegans mm. have faced they became great cooks because you had to again we go back to necessity yeah and they do say that necessity is a mother of invention right right and it is true i think it i i mean i'm i think i'm an example of that <laughs> as a person um but yeah we, i used to uh bake out of my house just for me for every sunday uh, I made a tradition to make pancakes. It was mm. Pancake Sunday. And slowly I started to get bored of the pancakes. And so instead I was like, well, you know what? Let me do something else. So I started to uh, uh, make scones. Mainly because I used to work at a a, a deli called Foodstuffs. Mm-hmm. I don't know you Yeah. you've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, they have like four or five locations. Uh-huh. I used to work at the one in Glencoe. Okay. Uh, which is not too far away from here. Uh, and one of the things, you know, at the end of the day, uh, after after they closed, this was back in, I don't know, 10 years ago or more. Yeah. Uh, they have bakery goods. And then at the end of the day, it was, it was my favorite part of the day. You know why? <laughs> so all the extras they weren't going to sell? Yes. <laughs> all the extras of the day, they will give it to the employees. Yeah. So, but for some reason, Spencer... Everyone left the scones. Mm. And so I would grab the scones. And then I know, what is this thing? I've never seen this thing before. And it was very hard. Very mm. hard. Kind of like the hard scones that you could probably toss it <laughs> at someone a and break a window. Uh, but when you crack the scone, it would be soft inside. And my favorite would be the one with uh, currants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or chocolate chip. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I was like, man, these things are very good. I don't know why these things are not a thing. So when I became vegan, I started to veganize them. Yeah. 
and that's how I became the Chunky Scone because that was the first official bakery good that I ventured into doing from scratch. And it was a, 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 a lot of tests, a lot of flour that went to the garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's how you learn, right? Right, right. Learn from your mistakes. Exactly. And, yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, at, at that time, uh, with my ex-wife, um, she had a friend who was looking for a person who was able to bring pastries to a holiday market in Pilsen, in the city, at St. Paul Church. I think it's on 22nd, close to Cermak. And um, and we, they, they came over for dinner one day. We were all sitting on our table. And and it's like oh I'm having this event they they, they 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 were chatting with each other I was just minding my own business eating my food and it's like oh yeah Oscar bakes and I was like yeah oh yeah what do you make I was like oh I make scones you know vegan scones it's like would you be interested in bringing your scones to the market I'm like I don't know I I only bake for myself I don't really bake for others it's yeah. not something that I see myself like doing mm. it's like oh come on come on just help me out you know i don't have any pastry vendors i have art i have uh you know people who do crafts uh, i need a, a food vendor and i'm like okay i guess so with the help of uh her friends i was able to come up with a logo which is my old logo mm. you've, uh, you've updated since then oh yeah for yeah. sure I've updated many things. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, it was all impromptu. It, ha- it happened naturally. Mm-hmm. And more more because of them pushing me to do something that I thought wasn't going to be successful. Because, I mean, this was probably in 2015. The vegan movement was around. Yeah. Uh, vegan Vortex, you know, yeah, was around that. already. Yeah. Uh, but I... The event that she was doing was not vegan. Yeah. It was just for, uh, it was a holiday market for mostly Mexican people. It, it's in Pilsen, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I was like, who the hell is going to buy my scones? First of all, they probably don't know what a scone is. <laughs> you didn't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's vegan too. Right, right. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, so I, I went ahead and, and I did it. I probably bought like, I don't know, a hundred. Uh, probably cranberry, blueberry, maybe some uh, garlic. I used to make savory scones. Then. Nice, good, smart. And uh, I sold out. And to me, that was shocking. I was like, <laughs> how? How is this possible? How is this possible that I, it, to me, it was just, it didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Why would people buy scones? Uh, and that, that was, that opened my, my mind and it made me realize that something that my grandma also instilled in me she said uh, if you ever get into business she said this this advice was given to me when i was probably like a kid five six seven but these things ingrained in my mind that I, i remember them so she said to me she's like if you ever get into business get into the food industry She's like, you know why? I'm like, no. Because no matter what, no matter what happens in the world, whether there's war or there's trouble 
or just catastrophe. People will always have to eat. Mm -hmm. No question. People will always have to find food. And if you offer that as a business, you will always have uh, money or at least food. And from there, you can eat yourself. Yeah. You got to start with yourself so you can provide the food to exactly. the rest of the people. And I follow my grandma's advice. What's her name? My grandma's name was uh, Maria de Jesus. Like like Maria. Yeah. And the Jesus after Jesus. Mm -hmm. really. Was it Mariana? No, Maria. Maria Jesus. De. Oh, Mariana de, ha de, de Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she knew what she was talking about. A very uh, smart woman. Uh uh she was a uh, uh she instilled in me uh, a lot of what i am today mm -hmm. uh, if, it's, if it wasn't because of her uh i don't think i, w I would be the man that i am today yeah know? but it makes sense you know she essentially raised you it sounds like yeah. so yeah it's the person in your life who does that is going to have a big impact on you in some form so that them pushing you to sell your scones at this event has led you almost 10 years later to to this wonderful location where you can buy cupcakes and donuts and of course the scones and muffins and bread and conchas and biscuits, biscuits of course <laughs> i'm gonna take some of those tonight uh pizzas empanadas we got vegan chicken salad tuna salad wraps what else have you got here? I do sandwiches too. Sandwiches. Um, I have more ideas uh, in my head. I feel like every time we come here, there's a new thing. And that's the thing, Spencer, because um, I don't know if this comes from a, from a creative place or from a, also from necessity, being honest with you, because the food industry is a difficult industry. Mm -hmm. You know, the margins are, are tight. The profits are tight. Um, so I think in order to stay, uh, what's the word? Like relevant? Relevant is the perfect word. You have to constantly be creating new food. And this is probably why you see big corporations like Burger King and McDonald's. Come near, we got the new Whopper. It's the same crap, but it's just changed. I don't know. They put sesame seeds on the bun instead of, yeah, of no yeah. sesame seeds. And they call it the Mac Sesame or, or <laughs> some, something hey, like that. Now they're going to steal that idea from you. <laughs> I just realized there's a there's a whole a, a menu behind you that I could have just read from the list. Yes. Cinnamon rolls, tres leches, uh, sourdough bread. Uh, what else did I miss? Cheesecake. Uh, yeah, pies, f flax bread. All of it is so good. Um, and of course, we are here because of the donut. Yes. Um, th this is this and, and other sweet things have come up many times in, in the process of doing this podcast. And I feel like donut, maybe cookie too, but I feel like donut is one of those that just has keeps on coming up in my brain just because I have a, such a sweet tooth. You know, like donuts, they're the classic, classic, classic dessert. I was just talking with a coworker, coworker today about donuts. So I was like, well, I got to do the donut justice when I get to that episode. So I got to get a donut maker on the podcast. And so we have done this. I have I have achieved my goal. And, um, you know, it, the, the donut word is about halfway through this episode. So we're uh, we got a little ways to go. But if you don't mind, let's uh, maybe let's talk about some of these words. Sure. And then 
as you think of things, whatever pops in your head, feel free to just say it. That's just sort of how this goes. It's a very, very loose style. Okay. All right. So the first word in this episode is the word deuce. D-O-U-C-E. This is an adjective from 1721. There's there's less definitions than I would have thought there would be. Um, This one is chiefly Scottish, and the synonyms are sober and sedate, as in the the deuce. This this is really what this is. The deuce faces of the mourners. That is a quote from L. J. A. Bell. So the mourners were very sad. They had a sober face. Um, I was not expecting this one at all. Um, I'm wondering if there's another spelling of the word deuce, but that's what it is. Uh, deucely is an adverb, also chiefly Scottish. And the etymology says this is from Middle English, which means sweet and pleasant. Mm. Um, Also from the Latin dulcis, which means sweet, which perfectly ties into why we're here today. But sweet and pleasant doesn't really make sense to sober and sedate in my mind. No. I mean, to me, I would probably be more sweet uh, from the Spanish dulce, like you were saying. Uh, That's the way I would. I would think of that word deuce. Um, but, you know, I guess words have different meaning uh, sometimes, especially in, in, I'm, I'm a native Spanish speaker. And one thing about Spanish, and I think some something that throws people off when learning the language is that uh, I think I think happens in English, too. Uh, but I think it's it's like I see it more common in, 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 in Spanish. Like one word can mean a bunch of things. Oh, yeah that's definitely a problem in English as well. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think a lot of languages have that problem. Yes. Now, when I think of the word deuce, I think of two, uh, you know, in in cards, they'll say deuce. Uh, So I'm not seeing that here, which is a little bit weird. But um, hey, you know, that's just that's just the way I never heard of deuce as a Scottish word meaning Hmm. sober. Um, So the next thing that we have to do is after each word, I like to make a sound effect, okay. which was says that word's done. Here comes the next word. What sound effect would you like to make today? If what's the first thing that you can think of? Douche. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> you know what? That that works. And we could you can just say the word or because that word is actually coming up. <laughs> it's in. It's literally two words from now. Whoever came out with those is a douche. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we could do, we could do uh, I don't know like a I don't know that maybe that's kind of weird. Um, ah, there's the breath. Saved by the bell. Is there like a baking sound that uh, is like a that you can that we can make with our mouths? I'm trying to think like a, there's you've got mm. there's, there's a whisk and there's, well you know when you're gonna hear something uh, interesting um, when you take out bread out of the oven. Especially sourdough, it cracks. Mm. Kind of like ice. When you oh ice, yeah, frozen ice. Yeah. When you uh, have you heard when you put water into a fresh ice that you just took out of the fridge? Yep. And you put water and you just go kind of like yeah, it, it cracks. Pops. Yep, yep. It cracks. The same happens with bread, mm. and it happens for a good thirty seconds to a minute. After you take it out of the oven, it starts. Hmm. 
and and it's to me it's uh it's a good noise to hear yeah yeah because you know it's it's doing the right thing and i think it has to do with the fact that uh um when you bake the bread and you uh put it in the oven as the yeast dies off the bread rises to a point where it can no longer grow because all the yeast is dying mm. uh, because it's so hot mm -hmm. and so it creates a kind of like a balloon effect that it grows to its maximum potential and then when you take it out of the oven it starts to deflate somewhat mm -hmm. and when that happens i think the crust starts to crack mm -hmm. and that's where I, i i don't know that's just my assumption yeah that that's where the, the cracking sounds come from it makes sense like well that i think might have to be our sound effect or or some form of that a crack yeah yeah um okay so we'll just do that after we're done with each word so you already made the sound effect and we are now moving on to the next word which is ducer d-o-u-s-e-u-r i don't spell all of them but only the ones that i feel like need to be spelled mm -hmm. ducer noun from 1763 And this one is a conciliatory gift. So this is a French word, if you couldn't tell, which means pleasantness from the lower Latin dulcor, which means sweetness. Um, but I don't really remember what conciliatory means. Do you have, do you know? To I, unite. To unite? To go to, yeah, to unite things. So a gift given to help to unite people. Or to bring some degree of uh, togetherness. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe like Israel and Palestine or Ukraine yeah, and Russia need correct. a, a ducer. Exactly, yeah. And, and Ducer it, their differences. <laughs> right, and to make everything pleasant. Yes. That's what we need. And yes. maybe maybe a good donut could be a ducer. Definitely, a box of donuts. Yeah, I'll take it. More than one. <laughs> uh, okay, sound effect time. I'll just go. The next word is douche. D-O-U-C-H-E. Noun from 1766. And there are a few definitions here. So we have number 1A, a jet or current of liquid directed against or into a bodily part or cavity. And... Mm. The example of the the liquid could be a cleansing solution, and the example of the bodily part or cavity is, yes, the vagina. Uh, I obviously have never used one of these. I, you just hear about it in the world, that this is a thing that people have to use sometimes. Uh, I'm going to guess that you've never used one either. I never Can heard I, of that no. before, no. Never heard That's of it? That's news to me, yeah. So this is, you know... It, it became, well, you know, we'll get there because there's other definitions. But yes, this turned into the thing that people you're, call so other people. Douche. Yeah, they, that's that's the, the slang term. Ah, okay. But it came from this thing. Um, there's actually a great scene. Maybe I'll put in a clip in. There's a great scene from a comedy movie where it takes place in the 80s. And somebody calls a very nerdy kid a douche. And he goes, well, a douche is a... Uh, like a cleaning thing. Uh, um, I can't think of the words that he used, but uh, it, it's a thing to use to clean things. So I take that as a compliment. Alexa, maybe you'd like to join in? We do need a druid, and you have definitely cast a level five charm spell on me. In your dreams, douchebag, 
Douchebags are hygienic products. I take that as a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> Ew. Hmm. So the, the 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 definition of it has sort of skewed sure. into this area, but I mean it's meant to clean the the vaginal area of a person who has those parts. But I believe I've heard some people say, well, it's meant to have some a lot of those things going on. So why would you want to clean that? But also there, there's a lot of reasons why somebody would want to use it. I feel like you and I are not at all equipped <laughs> to have this conversation. Probably not. <laughs> so we're going to move on to the other definitions. Hopefully, you know, you, you learn something. So maybe sure, this, will, no, I don't know that. this will help other people to learn new things. Um, so we have one B. So this is probably similar. It is an act of cleansing with a douche so the thing is called the douche but then you're when you're using the douche that's also called douche hmm. two a device for giving douches so it's all <laughs> it's that's all the same thing um but we do have it looks like one more i thought i saw something in here that said slang and now i can't find it uh yes okay so number three is british and the british definition is an abrupt Often chastening stock, shock to the nerves, emotions, or awareness, as in the icy douche. Mm. Wait, I'm losing my place. The icy douche, and then in parentheses, what he said about my work. And that's a quote from John Fowles. So what somebody said about his work was the icy douche, which is an abrupt shock to the nerves. I guess what he said about his work was made him, I don't know, I've never heard this used because I'm not British, so I don't understand this one at all. But yeah, that one is news to me too. Yes, that's kind of... It's a, it's a, little, it's a little different from what I'm used to. Um, the, uh, the word douche is also a verb, so you can douche with a douche while you're douching. <laughs> um, <laughs> It is a French word. It's it a is, funny word, though. I give him that. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's partly because we're so used to hearing it. Kind of is a funny word, um, but within the next one, we'll get a little bit more into that. Um, it's from the Italian "dociare," which means to douche, from also the Italian "doccia," which means water pipe, uh, which is probably a back formation of "doccione," which means conduit from the Latin ductio, which is means of conveying water, and then from ducere, which means to lead. So it's all about dealing with water, sending water in from one place to another, mm. and then using that as a You douche. know, now that you're saying uh, that Italian, because, you know, I do speak Spanish. Yeah. There's a word that is not like dociare, like you were saying there, but there's a word in Spanish called ducha. Mm -hmm. and, and when, let's say, if I were to say, I'm going to go take a ducha, it means I'm going to go take a shower. Ah, okay, yeah, but yeah. But it makes yeah. sense because it is something that conducts water, right, for you to clean yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's all, so see, it's, it's all, all related. Connected. <laughs> it is, it is. I actually just started listening to a podcast today called "The History of English," mm. and it goes, you know, four thousand years in the past or something, and mm -hmm. it's like talks about how all of these languages are so connected. They are. It's really interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, super. Um, can you please make the sound effect? That's all right. We, we were going to do cracks, but we could do the bakery related oh. ones. Oh, really? Anything is fine. <laughs> I thought he changed it. You, if you want to, yes. We oh, could sure. Do, okay, yeah, fine. anything you want. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'll skip it that way. Sure. It's a Dushin sound. Yes, it's from the shower, from the thing. Yep, yep, that's true. <laughs> so the next word is douchebag. Two words, noun from circa 1963. Now, what's interesting is that they only have the slang definition here, but I believe the actual definition is the 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 bag that is used when to, you to, to, douche. to douche. Yeah, right, because it has the water has to be put into a bag. But the slang definition is an unattractive or offensive person. Hmm. Call him a douchebag. I I kind of feel like this is going a little bit out of style. I feel like it's people are using this less and less. That maybe that's just the people I hang around with. I don't know. But I feel like. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't really ever say it, but douchebag. Yeah, not anymore. Why? I well, I think once I learned that, I was like, oh, it's from this this thing that's supposed to be a cleansing. Is it because it doesn't make sense to you? Or? I think it may, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. You mm. know, when you think about the history of it, and I'm like, maybe, maybe it's not. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Mm. But you know, I think it's a good word because it's not. A word that is, I don't know, like saying something really offensive, like a word that it, it offends your nationality or your religion. It's just a very generic word that can be, or you're a douchebag, you know, and you can still offend people, but it won't be like, oh, man, this person just went over the board and and they trespass into my your individuality that right. makes sense it's not like racist exactly or, yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. so i think um i mean i think it, it's a good word so because you hadn't heard of the other one before the first definition mm -hmm. where did you ever think about like what is this phrase douchebag or like no, your, where uh, is it from i think as a as a second language mm. you know person that I, I learn english here um i oftentimes i like to use words because they're funny yeah uh, like douchebag. It me, just sounds funny. To me, it's funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but now that I, we're learning about the definitions, it kind of makes sense. And if anything, it kind of like reinforces the idea that it's not as bad as maybe it seems to yeah. use. I think that when it was first started, when, when people first started using it as a slang, I think it was like, I think it was a, a, a more of a, I'm trying to think of the words to use, more like a, patriarchy like uh the men saying oh this thing that women do is gross when they mm. use the douchebag so i'm going to turn that into this offensive thing even though the thing isn't really offensive it was just it was the men who didn't really like this idea of using this thing uh then that's how it got turned into an offensive mm. term um so i think that to me from what i've heard that seems like the only that's the problematic part okay, of it okay but um you know, not everybody necessarily is going to feel that way these days, especially like, oh, you called me a douchebag. That's actually a compliment. I'll take it. Thanks. Because it's going to use, I use it to clean things. Also, like in my case, you know, I'm a, I, I, I'm not a native speaker of English. Yeah. So to me, it has a more complex meaning where, like I was telling you, ducha means, uh, you know, douche. Yeah. And it, we're looking at the, at the definitions and you said that it, it comes from, uh, the Italian from like uh, a duct basically that transports water. Yeah, yeah. And to me, it's just like, what you call me? It's just like a, a, some kind of device. A hose? A hose. That's <laughs> that's not too bad. Right, right. If you think about it. I, that's essentially what it is. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it all depends on the perspective the other person, you know. Also how you say it, who you say it to. Right, right. Like if you say it to me, I'm like, I mean, I probably laugh. Right. Yeah. But then it, I'm going to have a different understanding. Yeah. Know? It's the attention that you have behind it, the inflection. Exactly. And then exactly. like how the other I person is going to respond. I think everything has to have a, a context yeah. to which you could use a lens and say, okay, this was the meaning behind it. Uh, oftentimes, you know, especially nowadays, you see things taken out of context mm-hmm. a lot. And it could cause problems. It does so, often. And in yeah. this case, you know, and this is a great podcast because you actually give meaning to this context, mm. to these words. And that's, I think, very important. Yeah. And uh, similarly, with things taken out of context, uh, texts or anything that's written down, you also completely lose oh, yeah. the, the the context of how that was meant. They, they, it's all often That is why I hate texting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, I, that's why I love emojis, because <laughs> I can put in a little bit of information, even though they're silly and cheesy, yeah. I can put it in to say, this is how I really feel, because yeah. the text only gets you so far. There's no emotion. Right, exactly. It's kind of like, it could be open to interpretation. Yeah, yeah. And that's a problem. And everything can be easily interpreted yeah. at least two or three ways, if not more. Yeah. Even if you're missing a comma, <laughs> you could be insulting someone or, yeah. or wishing them for them to die. Yeah, commas know, are very important. If you don't know how to spell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So I think, have we have we uh, finished? Have we said everything we have to say about douche and douchebag? I will keep going. This is actually fun, but <laughs> we can move on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm sure there's a lot. And, you know, if if either one of us had uh, ever experienced this, then we could say a lot more. But unfortunately, yeah, I think I guess the last thing is I feel like most women these days for the little bit that I've heard, I feel like maybe this is not a thing that really gets used that much anymore. I think it's a little bit more of an older thing mm. for women. I use the word women, you know, all encompassing of people with a vagina. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't feel like they get as used as often as they used to. That's all I know. I'm going to try and do the sound of like a blender. Sure. I don't know if that's what a blender sounds like. Do you use a blender much here? Uh, a hand a blender. Yeah. Where you, yeah. It's easier because we do big batches of things. Mm-hmm. And a blender can only do so much as yeah. far as quantity unless you have a gigantic one and uh because of space we prefer a hand blender you just put everything in a bowl and you just go crazy yes Sorry. like when we used to make cookies in, in my parents kitchen mm-hmm. you would use the smaller bowl to make you know single batch or something right yeah uh, the next word is oh speaking of this is perfect it's the word dough D-O-U-G-H. So fitting. <laughs> you you need a hand mixer to mix the dough. How many different doughs do you make? Uh, do, you, do you use the same dough for some of the things or do you have to make unique ones for a lot of your different items here? I'm glad you asked that question because nobody has ever asked me that question. That's uh, why we're here. I think... Uh, um, I think people... I, I would appreciate if people understood the work we do as bakers because it does require a lot of thinking, a lot of planning behind every dough that we make. Mm-hmm. And yes, you're correct. We do a lot of doughs from yeasted um, doughs. In this case, sourdough. Uh, sourdough is a form of yeast. 
except it's wild. It's wild gist. The way, the way just the way I like it. Wild. <laughs> uh, uh, the gist that you find at, lo- uh, at the grocery store has been domesticated, mm. uh, factory produced, just because it's the strongest of all or the most aggressive. That's why I don't have people bring gist here and I'm opposed to anybody trying to do gist in this uh, bakery because they could contaminate my sourdough and kill them mm-hmm. with this uh, factory-made gist. It's super aggressive. That's why it ferments bread in one hour mm-hmm. as opposed to my sourdoughs that can ferment for up to 10 hours, 12 mm. hours and more in the fridge. So do you have one of those things? I don't really have a lot of experience with making bread, but is it one of those that you have like a, like the mother thing that yeah. it just then it keeps on growing and growing and you I have split two. from that? Two I have two. Uh, I created them uh, one in 2015 when I started my company. Uh, and that's my, that's my most precious one, the most precious one that I, ha- I have great attachment to it because, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, when I have I have a worker that makes the dough, uh, you know, but going back to the word here and I tell him, if you ever drop those, I'm going to break your legs and I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, dough is very important here. We do different kinds. We do dough for donuts, like the ones we're going to eat in a bit. Mm-hmm. We do dough for sourdough. Uh, that is the bread that we, we sell to customers and to a couple restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, we do those for sweets like cinnamon rolls, conchas, um, donuts, vignettes, mm. um, croissants, all kinds of sweet pastries that you can imagine. All of them require a specific dough. Because we're a vegan company, and I'm vegan myself, it's more challenging for us to recreate brioche. Uh, to this day, I'm still trying to recreate what I already do mm. over and over again. So um, uh, it keeps things fun. It keeps things interesting for me. I never get bored doing what I do because we, we experiment with so many doughs yeah. from adding pumpkin puree to adding sweet potato puree to adding coconut milk to add in vegan butter, to add in uh, applesauce, to add in you, all the ingredients you can imagine you can add yeah. as long as they're vegan. Right. Um, almond milk, oat milk, uh, juice. Um, we've tried many things here. Um, so, yeah, uh, cake, dough, cake batter. Uh, it's, kind, it's a kind of a dough. Yeah. Uh, it's a more watery one. Mm. Um, uh, biscuit dough. It's also different from all, all, all other doughs. Every, basically, every recipe that we do here has its own dough. So it's a lot of, of dough. all the things that we do, we do a bunch of dough. You do all the dough. Well, let's talk about what dough is. Uh, I may have more specific questions for you. It is a noun from before the 12th century. One, a mixture that consists essentially of flour or meal and a liquid like milk or water and is stiff enough to knead or roll. That's a very general description. Um, let's see. So just real quick, so now that we're talking about that one, so what what is the 
is there like one or two main differences between all those different doughs that you mentioned? Is it, what's, what are the things that you have to change to go from a biscuit to a cinnamon roll to a croissant? Is it the ratio of like the flour to the liquid or what, like just in a, a little bit, what's the, what are the main differences? Yes, that is correct. We change the ratios of, of ingredients. If for instance, for, for bread, you need a more watery dough. Uh, it's a more water-based dough, mm-hmm. uh, whereas, for instance, biscuits, it's all fat. Mm. We use vegan butter and we use coconut milk. That's why they're so good, because they're high in fat. Yeah. And fat is good when it comes to baking. Right. Um, and then uh, another dough, for instance, the uh, donut dough, it, uh, it also has coconut milk, um, but it's a cake a cake dough, especially for this kind of donuts, uh, which is uh, a cake donut. Um, it uh, also has uh, vinegar, and it also has um, uh, baking uh, soda and powder to create that chemical reaction between vinegar and baking um, uh, soda that creates bubbles mm-hmm. to make it cakey you know, or very uh, light. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, so you have the one kind, I know that, you know, there's, there's multiple kinds of donuts. Well, I guess we'll have to hold on to that conversation when we get to donut. Cause sure. why am I talking about it now? But yeah, I mean, it's a, there's different types of donuts and everybody makes them different. So, um, so let's, let's look at the other, uh, definitions of dough. Mm-hmm. We have number two, something resembling dough, especially in consistency, my belly would, would we call my belly dough because it resembles dough in consistency maybe i don't know what else you would call dough money well, number three the synonym is money <laughs> yep i have no idea how we went from you know this this baking thing to money but somehow that happened well it does bring money going back to my grandma's advice at yeah. the beginning you know i was telling you if you get into food food dough is food or dough mm-hmm. will become food, and food will become sustain, uh, sustainability for you and for others. Yeah. So I think it's very straightforward. Uh, on, a, on a side note, my daughter made a tip jar that says, we need the dough. Oh, yes, 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 the tip jar. I'll, I'll get a picture of that if I remember. We need the, the dough. dough. And yes, you literally do need the dough, and you need the dough. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I've loved that sign ever since I first saw it. Um, and then number four, the synonym is doughboy, which uh, we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes because that's a whole other thing. A doughboy. So what's the etymology? This is from the Old English dog. I don't know how to say it, akin to the Old High German take, T-E-I-C, which means dough, from the Latin fingere, which means to shape, you shape the dough, Mm. Um, and then also from the Greek tykos, or tikos, which means wall. That's interesting, Mm. a wall. I mean, I guess, hmm, yeah. I don't know. It, it just means dough, pretty much. Shape in the dough. The dough is the dough. And I like dough. Um, do you, I mean, maybe not so much anymore these days, but when you're making something, do you, uh, well, you have to taste it, right? Before you bake it. Everything. You, you got to taste a little bit of the dough. Well, after you bake it, 
Yeah. Do you ever taste it beforehand just to make sure that it's like only things that uh, I'm experimenting with mm -hmm. uh, new recipes? Yeah. If I went over the board with sugar, if I maybe went over the board with salt, if I add a specific ingredient, I have weird requests from people. Sometimes they ask me to put weird ingredients on cakes, especially mm -hmm. like cake ingredients like uh, ube powder, uh, pumpkin spice. Um, and you're just expected to know the exact amounts and ratios that you're supposed to put no, in without So that's why it's very important to, to taste. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. I mean, one of my fondest memories is making cookies with my mom and then you get to, you know, lick the, the dough, the batter <laughs> from the bowl or the mixer or the spoon or whatever. Yeah, of course. Uh, luckily, I never got sick. But back then there were actual eggs in there. So you got to be a little careful when it yes, comes to definitely. cookie dough. Uh, let's see. Sound effect, please. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> some, some bubbles or something. Yep. Uh, the next word is dough box. Two words. Noun from circa 1944. A rectangular wooden box mounted on legs that is used as a work table and storage space. Uh, it's a wooden box with legs and you can uh, store things in it or you can work on it. Mm. Um, and it's called a dough box. It doesn't say exactly why, um, but uh, this seems like it's related to World War II probably because it was 1944. Mm. So I don't know. Maybe they put dough in there or money. Maybe. Dough or money. Uh, yeah, yeah. Probably money. Um, or flour. Maybe they put flour. And I, I wonder, like, where, where did they use these? It doesn't say anything about how they were used. But, yeah, it's just, it's just the dough box. It's, a, it's just a box. Uh, okay. Next, I have to come up with a sound effect. I'll just go back to the crack. The next word is doughboy. One word, noun from circa 1847. This is an American infantryman especially in World War One. Now, that is a little odd because it's from 1847, and that was way before World War One. Yeah, that makes no sense. <laughs> I guess maybe it evolved. It's, it's just an American infantryman, and then later, I guess, after World War One, it became somebody from World War One. Why they were called a doughboy, I have no idea. Hmm. Well, I have a worker here, and when he started working here, he said, I'm the dough boy. And he said, you are or he is? He is. He is. I'm the dough man. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, oops. That's all right. Um, and uh, he uh, he gets poked and he laughs when you when you poke. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think I, I didn't maybe realize it until later, but I think I met the guy who does the oh, yeah. voice for the Pillsbury Doughboy. His name is, oh, which one? Here or, or there? No, the one. actual guy who used to do the voice because my dad is a voiceover guy. And so he like knew a bunch of the guys. Oh, okay. I think we were at an ice skating rink and after and he, we were all there together. And then afterwards, my dad was like, yeah, he does the voice of the Pillsbury Doughboy. Well, if you ever come and poke the guy, he will make the sound. Okay, <laughs> okay. You'll, you'll tell me. You'll tell me yeah, who he is next time. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> the doughboy. Uh, okay, sound effect, please. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot every time. I appreciate you going with this. <laughs> All right, the next word is dough face. One word. <laughs> That's a new one. Yeah, we got dough box, dough boy, dough face. Uh, this is a noun from 1830. 
we're going older and older, a northern congressman not opposed to slavery in the South before or during the American Civil War, also a northerner sympathetic to the South during the same period. Uh, Doe-faced with a hyphen is an adjective. Okay, so this is basically somebody from the North during slavery who didn't mind that slavery was going on. Mm. They were like, yeah, that's fine, even though I'm from the North. So they were called Doe-face? Yeah, that's a new one. I've never heard of that. I feel like I should have, but I don't remember it. And I wonder where the name Doe-face came from. Like, oh, slavery's over. You got dough on your face. You look stupid. I don't know. That's it. Is that what it means? No, I'm, well, I'm just guessing. I'm trying to think of like, why no when you say uh you have dough in your face is that mean, i think so when you're fake or uh i don't know i don't remember if it's dough on your face or something else on your face but i feel like there's something like that that's like oh you look stupid because you if you had dough on your face you would look pretty stupid but metaphorically you look stupid because you made a mistake, mm. and so we're going to say you got dough on your face or something. Mm. I don't know. I could have the phrase wrong. Maybe I should put a link in the show notes for dough face because I'm now really curious about mm. why were these northerners who didn't mind slavery called dough face? Mm. It's odd. I'm just making anything up now. Oh, here we go. We made it to donut. D-O-U-G-H-N-U-T. You could also spell it D-O-N-U-T, which uh, we talked about that in a while a while ago, but it didn't have it didn't have the full definition. It just sent us to this word. Uh, which which spelling do you prefer? The full spelling or the short spelling? I like the long spelling. You, yeah. Yeah. Mainly because I'm a baker. Right. And so I like things to be more profound, if you would. Uh, so though not yeah. is better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I prefer the other one just because it's shorter. It is. It's faster. Um, so, a donut is a noun from circa 1809. Number one, a small, usually ring-shaped cake fried in fat. That's the standard definition. How do you make your donuts? Well, I have several of those mm. for not donuts yeah <laughs> uh i have cake donuts uh not necessarily fried mm-hmm. but i do coat the pan with oil mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so maybe it's a healthier kind of fried donut um and i also have sourdough donuts which can be defined as gisted donuts mm. except they're wildly gisted donuts as opposed to just gisted donuts if that makes any sense Okay, yeah. I don't know enough about that stuff, but yeah. So one is wild, one is domesticated. Right, right, right. The yeast. And how does that affect like the flavor or the consistency? It affects quite a bit because the the wild, wildly yeasted donuts are basically sourdough donuts. Mm-hmm. And where the uh, yeasted donuts don't have any sour flavor to them. Oh, okay. Um, and those are the ones you find most commonly at stores. Uh, I think... I don't think anybody does sourdough donuts as far as I know. Yeah, um, I don't know. I do make them here. Not all the time because they, they are fried, uh, like the definition says. Yeah. Um, but the definition says cake. Uh, it doesn't say anything about yeast, does it? Yeah, it says it's a usually ring-shaped cake. So, uh, yeah, I you know, 
we, we'd have to go into the whole history of the donut, but maybe back then it was more of a cakey consistency, mm. kind of like maybe like your cake donuts are. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, it, okay. So, so, so we got the cake donuts, we got the yeast donuts. So is the, the yeast donut, is that the standard quote unquote standard type of donut? That's how I got to learn donuts. Really? This is mm-hmm. a new, a new thing for me, really the cake donuts. And I do them mainly because you don't have to fry them. So it saves time Yeah. and you can make a bunch in like, for instance, right now in 15 minutes, I made um 18 mm, mm-hmm. you bake them yeah yeah baked healthier uh, if you want to call them that i mean keep <laughs> not in mind. fried no but they do have coconut milk they do have oil but uh, yeah vegetable oil and then they put more oil underneath mm-hmm. the, not a lot but you do require a small amount to prevent them to stick into the pan the, the donut pan right right and and that's why it doesn't stick and you're able to just get it out easily to be frosted afterwards um so yeah um you can make cake donuts or or uh gisted donuts as they call them out there mm-hmm. uh, i like gisted donuts better than cake donuts but um i mean these sell pretty good here so they must be good yeah they are very good <laughs> um and uh we'll we'll have to eat a little bit I, i'm i'm gonna have to take a bite pretty soon um what else can we say about when did you first learn how to make a donut so this one well can i tell you the one of the memories which can be a little sad but it's also good kind of like life <laughs> yeah life is if you if you were to ask me what is life i would say life is bittersweet Mm-hmm. That would be my definition of life, mm-hmm. um, because it can be bitter, but it can also be sweet, and at times both. Yeah. But my first memory of a donut, I was probably like, I don't even remember, Spencer, because this I was the first time ha- that you're in my memory having a donut in my memory. Yeah. And my mom was taking me. This was before my grandma took care of me. Uh, my mom was taking me to the childcare mm-hmm. in Mexico City. And I remember just seeing the building, a big logo on the wall with uh, some lady grabbing a kid, kind of like taking care of a kid. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the, of the memories that comes to my mind right now. After that, what comes to mind is me being very small, probably like three or four years old, walking by the hand of my mom towards a donut shop after the care, the daycare. Mm -hmm. And that would make me so happy, so happy. And again, we go back to trauma and to bitterness Mm -hmm. and sweetness. The bitter part was that I was probably not happy being left all day in a place where you don't know anybody mm-hmm. and you barely know anything about how to communicate or or anything. You're just a, a kid. Right. And afterwards, I guess my mom felt bad about it. So her way of compensating for that was to take me to a donut shop and she would give me this gigantic, well, back then 
keep in mind I was a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> Now this is just probably like a small appetizer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, gigantic fried donut, gista donut, super light, super greasy, uh, full of sugar. Yeah. But so good. Yes. So good. And that's one of the first memories I have of a, of a donut, which again, it's sweet. That part is sweet. But what came uh, uh, beforehand, it was kind of sad a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, that was your reward. For being there all day. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's, that's probably the first one. After that, I guess I did like donuts. I never went out of my way to get one. I'm more of a bread kind of person. Mm. I like all kinds of bread. Mm-hmm. I like bagels. I like bialis, sourdough, obviously. Um, I guess if I like a donut, I like a good chocolate-covered donut. Um, eclairs were some of my favorites. With the cream inside? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I don't know that that could be defined as a donut, because a donut, by definition, is a circle donut, a circle-shaped dough, I think piece you, of dough. You get a lot of people arguing about that. And sometimes, you know, when I, this is funny, but when I bake my donuts, I go a little overboard with the filling and the mold. And so where the hole gets covered and it's no longer visible. Mm. So it really bothers me in a, in some kind of way when customers come in, it's like, I feel a little offended when they ask me, is that a donut? Mm. And I'm like, Inside, obviously. I never say this out loud because I don't want to scare my customers away either. Yeah. But I'm like, isn't it obvious that it is a donut? Yeah. I mean, okay. So let's describe it. It's got a chocolate frosting on top and colored sprinkles on top of the chocolate frosting. I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah. But because, you know, sometimes it's missing the hole because I I go over the board. Keep in mind, I do this quickly. Mm. Sometimes it's not the only thing I do here. Yeah. I do a bunch of things. I'm in a rush. So I try to just do it as soon as as soon as I can, as quick as I can. At times I could be a little, you know, um, um careless if you would. Right. But, but you not know, necessarily. They're they're getting a little extra donut. Exactly. If they're if the hole is filled. But I guess if, if that that just shows anything that humans are never satisfied with anything. <laughs> no, you can't satisfy everybody. Uh, when did you first learn how to make a donut? Uh, I have to give credit to my ex-wife. Um, this is actually her recipe. Okay. Um, for these ones, mm-hmm. the cake donuts. So I don't know if you want me to get into this. but As much my, as you want? I don't mind, but I don't know if this is okay. Yeah. So uh, that's why uh, I, I think this is the second version of the Chunky Scones, whereas the first edition, if you would, uh, my wife was part of it to some degree, but she never got completely involved um, or fully involved. So I would say kind of like, you know, we were discussing before we were recording about hobbies and one makes a hobby, and there is a breaking point when you follow a hobby or a passion, uh, a breaking point where you say, you know what, I'm going to make this hobby into my livelihood. 
into something that I would, I really want to do, not just for fun or because it's a pastime, but because I actually want to make a life, a living out of it. Yeah, I feel so passionate about this thing that, yeah, I need to do this more. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the difference between me and my ex-wife. She did it because it was fun. It was a hobby. And I did it because I was a hobby and fun too, but I also wanted to make a living out of it. Uh, so I think there's different levels of commitment, different levels of of whether you want to do it or whether you want to break that past that breaking point that we were talking about. And I think she never did. And so she would be whenever I had events, pop ups, especially especially in the beginning when we did big on vortex and mm -hmm. uh, an event back in the day, um, or just any pop up where she would be engaged but only to a certain degree she wouldn't go all the way and i kind of resented that a little bit uh, because i don't know i think that when you create a partnership a contract it is a, a marriage is a contract and when you create that degree of of uh, a union between you and somebody else um you're supposed to be there in the good and the bad and whether you're tired or not that's a different story you know the commitment at least in my view needs to be there and so anyway so she i i am thankful you know uh because it is true that through this bittersweet you know going back to the bittersweet yeah uh, i think it's a common theme in at least in my life mine too yeah. where where Oftentimes, after the bitter comes the sweet, and uh, the when she wasn't she so when we started baking, uh, mainly when we actually were trying to make money out of it, we divided the company, mm. and every time I did events, she would take care of the baked stuff or the stuff that required cakey stuff like pound cakes, mm -hmm. cupcakes, muffins, uh, cake donuts, like the one we're going to eat. I or, have or already started already eating. eating. <laughs> Couldn't help it. Um, empanadas. Mm -hmm. Things of that part, she would take care of that. And I took care of the heavy stuff like bread, mm. cinnamon rolls, mm -hmm. conchas, pizza rolls. Things that require more labor, they're more labor intensive, they require more time and more commitment, which to me, you know, I guess that exemplifies the marriage. It was a lighter load on her end and it was a heavier load on my end. Um, when it comes to, when it came to the company, I'm just talking about the company. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so that's how this recipe was created. It was created by her. I believe that she, follow some some recipe book uh and she wrote it down and over the years i have adapted things that um i thought that were wrong with the donut mm. um and that's the case with a lot of her recipes um like the empanada recipe the cake recipe um i have adjusted and modified and i in my view i made it better mm -hmm. and making it your own and making it my own too uh, I'm part of the company, you know, because I can probably say that I still do everything I did eight years ago uh, and, and I do it on my own. Yeah. Well, these donuts are 
fantastic. Um, <laughs> they they like you said, it's a cake donut, but I feel like I've had a handful of cake donuts in my past, and I feel like these are they're lighter. They they seem to be kind of between a yeast donut and a cake donut. You know, they're they're lighter, they're moister. Maybe the partly that's because it's fresh. It was just came out of the oven a little while ago, but. There's there's something about it that's like it's not too cakey because I know a lot of people don't like cake donuts. It's not too cakey, but it's not too yeasty and it's baked and it just feels lighter and healthier. But it's coated in this amazing thick chocolate <laughs> sauce on top uh, with sprinkles, of course. And so, yeah, I think it's like the perfect blend of all of that. Right. So uh, and I think that's where the, I, I think. I come in, although I have to say that her donuts, my ex-wife's donuts, were were very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that I've I moved it to a, another level where now they're um, they're good and they can stay good for a long time. What I mean by that is that the recipe I have changed by adding coconut milk. Coconut milk, you know, I, I'm I'm vegan. Everything that I do is vegan. All my recipes are vegan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to find ways to create moisture, to retain moisture, and to prevent things to get hard so quickly. One example, churros. When you fry a churro, a vegan churro, it gets hard very, very fast. Mm-hmm. I would say you have four, five hours tops okay, f- until the churro starts to get really, really hard. And it's related because it's fried to the donut. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so th- it's very difficult as a baker to to find that ingredient, especially a vegan baker, that gives it the right, just the right amount of moisture so that you can actually hold it in your hand and not eat something, uh, pudding, you know, something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, not too wet, not too hard. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I think what really makes the difference with this recipe is the coconut milk. And um, I think the spices, mm. uh, it has three spices that, uh, one that I added, she had it with nutmeg mm-hmm. uh, and cinnamon. I added a, a third one, which is cardamom. Mm. I love chai mm-hmm. and cardamom is uh, um, the main part of chai tea or chai spice. Yeah. Uh, I I decided to add it to the donut to add extra flavor. Um, and the glaze, uh, I it's a dark chocolate glaze with coconut oil, uh, oat milk. So it's not free now. Back in the day, you have, it used to be made with almond milk. But I've tried to uh, stay away from nuts. Mm-hmm. Not completely, but in certain products that I make, mainly for those who have allergies to yeah. nuts, I think to me it has made a difference, and it has also changed the recipe uh, for the better. Yeah, um, you can say you know with the texture, like you were saying, it's 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 not quite a cake donut, but it's also not quite a gisted donut. I would say it's in between. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the the sugar content is just the right amount in my view. But it's not overwhelmingly sweet, and 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 it's just it destroys your palate as you eat it. You need to drink lots of water. You could eat this 
All day. All day. <laughs> I definitely could eat that whole tray all day. Um, and, they're, and they're not too huge. You know, no. it's a good... It's a good size. Right. It's not a mini donut, but it's not like the standard... Jeez donut. That's oh my like God. The place size is, of your face. They're huge. I, I've been to a place in, uh, I think it was San Francisco a couple of times for work. And I've gone to the same place a couple of times. Uh, they have a few vegan donuts there. But most of their donuts are as big as my face, which I love. But... That's probably not what we should be eating. This is a great size. And I did taste a little bit of the dough itself um, without the frosting. And yeah, it's, it's, got a, it's got a bit of sweetness to it. But not too much. Right, right. I think it's a good blend. So obviously, everybody needs to come up to the Chunky Scones <laughs> in Highland Park and get, you know, one of everything. But for sure, the donuts. They are a, a very popular product. I actually follow the, the trends. And they change, you know, with the seasons. Uh-huh. They change also with the more items we create. Like empanadas, I never saw myself making empanadas. Mainly, again, we go back to the same thing. And I hate to bring it up, but trauma. You know, I stay away from my ex-wife's recipes because I didn't want to bring her back to my memories. Mm-hmm. So for a while after we divorced, I tried to not make anything she made. But Spencer, I think the beauty of life comes from the fact to accepting what what was and not be angry about it anymore. Yeah. And embrace it instead and say this was part of something beautiful at some point, but for some reason it had to... Uh, evolve yeah yeah and because of that it led you to where you are now exactly Mm -hmm. oh i feel that all the time so oh boy yeah dough boy (laughs) um yes i am i am very pleased do you have donuts every day i try to Mm -hmm. uh sometimes because like you were saying um we do a lot of things here and we constantly i want to say we is mainly me uh create new recipes yeah new dishes to create put us on the edge mm-hmm. or at the edge and also just having something for everybody you know exactly. you, anybody can find something that they're going to want that they like, sweet savory that they like and i think um uh but this uh, like i was saying i keep track of uh the sales of each product right now as we speak number one number two uh scones number one mm-hmm since day one, scones number one. You call the Chinese scones. Scone. Yeah. <laughs> but number two, empanadas have taken over. Mm, yeah. Um, maybe we can do an empanada one. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, that'll be probably it's next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, oh, yeah. Your empanadas are good. But uh, uh, you guys like those a lot. Oh, yeah. The chorizo ones. Uh, just like every time we come here, we get a couple, <laughs> just sit and eat it. Yes. Uh uh, but the donut, it's, I would say, is uh, probably third or fourth. That's good. Uh, people like it a lot. People come and they get eight at once. I keep in mind that I don't make a lot. Like, this batch is for a day. Yeah, it was like, what, 12-ish? 18. Or eight, 18, right. So right. it's in a mold that has six. Mm-hmm. I make three. Three trays. Six times yeah. three is 18. Yeah. So 18 donuts, of which we already ate two. So we're down to 16. Right. Uh, of which I'm sure you're going to take a few. I might have to take a couple more. <laughs> so uh, they don't last long. And I don't think, you know, 
bringing uh, the subject back to food and donuts, uh, and I do want to say this on your podcast, is that I think it is very important for us as humans to understand that food is not meant to be kept on a shelf for a month or three weeks or two weeks, not even a week. Mm-hmm. I would say that food is meant to be eaten as fresh as possible. And if you can do that, I think you are doing something good with your business, especially if you're in the food industry, uh, because this is the way you're supposed to enjoy them. Uh, it gives a, it leaves a good impression on you and it keeps you coming back. Yes, <laughs> almost weekly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, food uh, should not be filled with all the preservatives and things. It's you make it, you eat it, move on to the next one. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, donut. Thank you for all that you have done for me, and thank you for making <laughs> donuts. And uh, we still have a bit, a bit more to go on this episode, but we will, we'll, we'll come back to all this. I'm sure. Um, number two for donut. All right. Did you know that there was a second? Definition, uh, this is something as a mathematical torus that resembles a donut, especially in shape. So this is some sort of mathematical thing that graphs out like a donut shape, I guess. You know what's interesting? Again, we go back to food. Always. Uh, I follow Gordon Ramsay. And uh, he calls people that are incompetent donut. Oh really? Says so like you donut. <laughs> I didn't know that. I wonder wonder why he picked that one. I don't know. Do you know if he likes donuts or hates donuts? He probably thinks they're not the best dish out there. Mm, yeah, yeah. But I think it's hilarious. That is funny. Such a donut. Uh donut like is an adjective. Oh, it's it's so donut like. Um there is no etymology. It doesn't say I mean clearly we know dough. It's it's the dough. But um, nut, have you ever heard of why the word nut is in there? Donut. I have no idea. I have no idea. I think Donut. I'm... So I guess we could go define nut. A nut could be a, a little a little piece, no? Yeah. A little something. So maybe I did something that probably maybe is related, you know, being a baker. At times when you bake a lot of food, especially as a business, you end up with little pieces of dough that you don't know what to do with them. Mm. And I'm guessing maybe bakers back in the day have extra dough and they're going to make little nuts, little pieces, you know, just to, to find a comparison to nut. Yeah. Because to me, what's a nut? It's a little a little thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, where you go, oh, it's a nut. Yeah. Uh, something small. Well, I guess we won't learn all the definitions for the word nut until many years from now. But what I can do is I can put a link in the show notes to maybe the etymology of donut. And maybe maybe we can get a little bit more information. Um, I love seeing those old videos, old film of, you know, probably in the 40s or something. The, the giant vat of fat, of, you know, oil, oil fat, whatever it is. Yeah. And then they're just dropping in the donuts or they have a machine that sort of makes the circle yeah. right there and they just have start you seen frying. Those, those new businesses that have like a whole machine doing the frying for them. It's crazy. The mini donuts. 
Yeah, I don't know if I've seen them, but I feel like I maybe heard about it. I yeah. saw them first in uh, I went to uh, uh, no, uh, no, 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 uh, Iowa, mm-hmm. and I went to a I don't know why in Iowa there's a Hawaiian themed coffee shop. All right, <laughs> why I don't know. <laughs> Probably some Hawaiian moved to Iowa. Uh, so they made these mini donuts, mm. and they had this machine that left me left me per, per, perplexed. Um, they basically had the thing, and they would put dough in the in like a big container. The container would make the little donuts, and like like a robot hand just tossing them into the oil that wasn't even too full. It was just like like a pool mm-hmm. of 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 frying oil, and they just kept tra- uh, transporting to a conveyor belt uh. that went into the oil and grabbed them yeah. as they were frying, and then slowly putting them back in a, in a rack. And from there, they would just grab them. Frost them, put tons of toppings, whatever you want, powdered sugar, uh, maple syrup, all kinds of syrups, white chocolate, dark chocolate, chocolate, nuts, coconut, you name it, all kinds of donuts. Mm-hmm. But to me, that was like, man, this is this is like so cool. It's cool, but it, you know, it helps you know take take down their time of all the work that they have to do. But you know, also it's like, oh, you're you're taking away the human element. A little bit, you know, but yeah, if it's gonna be able to make you make make more donuts, make more dough, then, and more dough, yeah, uh, little little nuts of dough. All right, uh, sound effect, please. <laughs> Don't worry, we're getting to the end. The next <laughs> word is doty. So there's a ty at the end. Uh, do doty, maybe it's doty. Adjective from before the 12th century. This is marked by fearless resolution. The synonym is valiant, as in a doughty warrior. Doughtily is an adverb, and doughtiness is a noun. Um, so it's valiant, like very brave. That's what it sounds like. How do you like. spell it? D-O-U-G-H-T-Y. Doughty. Doughty. This is Doughty. from, uh, let's see, the Old High German tug, which means is useful. And then also from the Greek, tukin, I don't know how to speak Greek. Uh, that's from, uh, it means to make. So making, useful, it's uh, it's dotty. Dotty. Hmm. Uh, that's all I got. Uh, sound effect, please. Oh, you, you just did the last one. It's my turn. Let's change it up. Uh, let's see. The next word is doughy. So it's dough with a Y. Adjective from 1601. Resembling dough as A, not thoroughly baked, as in doughy bread. So if you if you haven't baked it quite enough or maybe you got too much liquid in there, you're going to get some doughy bread. For sure. Uh, I, I, I Actually, as you were saying, the word doughy, the first thing that came into my mind, something went wrong. <laughs> right. Something is too doughy. It's not light, you know. It sh- it shouldn't be doughy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but it also can be. It could be something good, I guess. 
Yeah, if you like, if you like the consistency of the dough, you could call it doughy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess certain things, if they're a little undercooked or not cooked all the way, that it as long as it doesn't make it bad, you might like that. But will you say this donut is doughy or no? Hmm, I don't think so. It's um, I think it is. You you would say you would I would call say it doughy? because we know as you bite into it. Yeah, and the first. I think it depends on your palate, but the first yeah. thing that hits me is the chocolate. Mm-hmm. First thing. And then as you as the chocolate dissolves in your mouth, you start feeling all the dough in, in your tongue and it starts to dissolve with the enzymes of your your, your, your saliva. Yeah. But it, I think the, 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 the part that takes longer to dissolve is the dough. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I, feel, I feel like it's a little doughy, but... In a, in a good sense, not in a bad sense. Right. Not that anything has gone wrong, but yeah, it's, you get, you, you, you can feel the dough. Yes. Yeah. You're not, yes. it's not just like Whereas a like, light. let's say if you bite into a gista donut, you bite and you're just like chewing like gum. It, it, it could become like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's a bad connotation of doughy. Right. Right. Or it feels like it's just nothing. Like yeah, there's nothing like it's, to it's it. It's just air. Yeah. But this is like the consistency. Yeah. Yeah. It's dough. It's, so it's doughy. Yes. Um, the the other definition, sub-definition for doughy is B, unhealthily pale. Uh, the synonym is pasty, as in a doughy face. So mm. if you're getting sick, the you blood. Doughy? Yeah, I guess you'd say you're doughy. I don't know, because you're looking more pale? pale, I guess. You look like dough. Mm. That's a new one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of that one. I've heard maybe I could be described as a little doughy. We got the dough boy and the dough man. <laughs> uh, okay. Sound effect, please. <sighs> Have you ever seen the show Twin Peaks? No. I don't remember if we've ever mentioned it to you or not, but we highly recommend okay. the show Twin Peaks. Twin and Peaks. Th- this word is connected to Twin Peaks. Um, it's the word Douglas fir. Huh. So it's two words. The D in Douglas is capitalized, and the next word is fir, F-I-R. It is a noun from 1873. Any of a genus of tall evergreen timber trees of the pine family having thick bark, pitchy wood, and pendulous cones, especially one of these trees chiefly of the western U.S. Uh, and then it says to see the cone illustration, which I did a while ago. And so, you know, fir tree, their cones were part of that description. Uh, the genus name is Pseudosuga, and there's a couple of spe- specific species names. We got Pseudosuga menziesii. I don't know how to say these words. And then the other one is Pseudosuga taxifolia. So it is a tall, evergreen fir tree, and it is named after David Douglas, who was a Scottish botanist who died in 1834. That was a long explanation. <laughs> yes, yeah, for a tree, <laughs> we got a lot going on there. Um, I think I might have to post a picture of a Douglas fir tree on uh, on social media. But yeah, you know, it's your standard big fir tree, I mm. guess. Um, a pine, right? pine, yeah, yeah, and it's specifically a fir. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't know enough about Christmas trees, but I would assume that you could you get Douglas firs if you if you want a Christmas tree. I don't know what a Douglas fir is. I mean, it's a specific kind of a, this pine the, tree. Yeah, have you seen one? I assume I have. 
I, I want to say that like when I was a kid and we would go to like the Christmas tree lot, I think they would say, oh, that's a Douglas fir. Mm. But I had never really paid that much attention. So it's a good thing that it's a Douglas fir? Is yeah, that... I think it's like a good hardy tree. tree. It's one of like the good ones. I don't know. Uh, one time, speaking of pine trees or Douglas, I don't know if it was a Douglas tree, but I was drinking. We were drinking at my... Uh, some friend and I was probably spring early or late spring and they took out the Christmas tree and they let it just dry outside oh and they were like oh let's burn it see what happens burn it yes oh boy it was a show <laughs> you know why because pine trees have a lot of oil mm-hmm. and I didn't know that but it makes sense yeah yeah and so when they put it on thing spencer the thing just went like fast just like like a match and it was dried and it was dry so it went like a match just like when you turn a match and you see like a big little thing yeah, of yeah fire yeah and then it's all gone mm-hmm. and i was like wow that is crazy <laughs> Oh, a whole a whole pine tree getting burned up in a that is dry flash yeah yes Oy. I hope that everybody was like far away. And we were, but it was shocking to see. Yeah. Because yeah. I've never seen a burn, a tree burn that fast. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I might have to put in a little audio clip from Twin Peaks when they mentioned Douglas fir trees. What kind of fantastic trees have you got growing around here? Big, majestic. Douglas firs. Douglas firs. Uh, okay. The next word is... Dukabor. I think that's how you pronounce it. Dukabor. It is spelled capital D-O-U-K-H-O-B-O-R, or you can take out the very first O. Dukabor. Noun from 1876. A member of a Christian sect of 18th century Russian origin, emphasizing the duty of of obeying the inner light and rejecting church or civil authority. And this is from the Russian word dukabor or dukaboretz, which is from duke plus, uh, which means spirit, plus boretz, which means wrestler. So wrestling with the spirit, something about that. Hmm. Um, yeah, I've never heard of this before. It sounds interesting. It reminds me of the word buccaneer. 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 Yeah. A little bit. J- just in like the pronunciation, dukabor. Yeah. 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 Dukabor, buccaneer. Yeah, they have similar. Similar sounds, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Uh, okay, one more sound effect from you. Burp, Burp is right. <laughs> we are now on the word doula. D-O-U-L-A. Last word. This is a noun from 1981. A woman experienced in childbirth who provides advice, information, emotional support, and physical comfort to a mother before, during, and just after childbirth. I actually know Adola. Yeah, I do too. Um, and I feel like saying that they are experienced in childbirth, I feel like isn't quite necessary anymore. I think you can be a doula and never have given birth yourself, although it is obviously going to give you some good experience if sure. you have. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about the rules of that, but I feel like anybody could be a doula if they wanted to. Uh, this is from, it's a modified Greek word, 
which means female helper or maidservant. Uh, and that is from the Greek duli, which means, oh, this is not good. It means female slave. So clearly mm. that's the, the history of it. It started there and they would probably be the ones who were enslaved but would help the women who were going through childbirth. Mm. Take care of the babies? Yeah, taking care of them, t- taking, uh, helping them go through the process of like, okay, this, these are good things to do while mm. you're pregnant. Yeah, I mean, tons and tons of, of things, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I, I know a couple people who, who are a doula. What, um, what, what do you know otherwise, other than that? Well, actually true, uh, you know, going back to the vegan stuff, the organizer of the Vegan Test Kitchens, which I know you, I'm sure you know about, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Chicago Vegan Test Kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the main organizer, she's a doula. Oh, okay. She's, she, and, uh, I mean, I would say, I want to say we're close friends, but we're good acquaintances mm-hmm. and uh, she's very nice. Yeah. And I know she does that. I think she's going to school for uh, to be a, a, a full-time doula. Obviously, probably the connotation that you were reading uh, has nothing to do with slavery. Yeah, uh, she does. This, We've gone way past that. She does this with her own free will, right, and uh, right. she she says she loves it. That's her, she says that that's her her passion or her goal or her whatever drives her. That's, that's yeah. she's working towards that. That is so good because yeah, I think we need you know people in that world you know between like doula or nurse or whatever like mm-hmm. people who want to help other people yeah. go through these things that they're they just don't really know about. Yeah, they can be traumatic too. Oh, mm-hmm. childbirth massively can be traumatic. Yeah, for, for the sure. baby and the mom, everybody, and, uh, yeah, everyone. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's a tough thing. And if you got somebody there helping you through it, oh yeah, that's an important job for sure. Uh, yeah, I think maybe I'll put a link in the show notes for doula and maybe like, if you want to become a doula, go to whatever link I put in, in the show notes. Um, so that was the last word. And what we're going to do quickly is I'm going to reread just the words and then you get to pick a word of the episode. Okay. Any one of them, any, any word is perfectly fine. Can I tell fine. you what's the word? <laughs> what's that? Can I tell you beforehand what's the word? No, I have to read the words oh, first God. and then you can tell me after. Cause maybe, cause maybe you'll be reminded of a word and you're okay. like, Oh no, I like that one better. All right. Cool. All right. Well, when you say I like the word, do you mean the meaning or just the word itself? Any, whatever criteria you want, anything, whatever jumps out at you, um, it's either the word or the definition, what it means to you, something you love, something you hate, whatever it is. Okay, cool. Okay, so we had deuce, dessert, douche, douchebag, dough, dough box, dough boy, dough face, donut, dotty, doughy, Douglas fur. Dukabor and Dula. What do you like? I like Dukabor. Dukabor. Yes. D O U K H O B O R. Fancy word. Like if I were like, I'm a Dukabor, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> just don't say it to anybody who's Russian who might know the actual meaning. <laughs> <laughs> Dukabor is the word of the episode. I like to do a little song uh, for the word just to make up on the spot. Do you want to make up a song about Dukabor or do you oh. want me to do it? Oh, make, you make it. Okay. I just do something simple like Dukabor, Dukabor. Oscar is a Dukabor. <laughs> That's something simple. That's all. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so, yes, we have reached the end of the episode. 
you know, your last chance, what are, what, what are some things maybe that we didn't cover that you want to say? Uh, what do you want to say to the people? What do you want them to know about you, life, whatever? Well, that's a tough, that's the toughest question of the whole podcast. Yeah. Uh, but I want to say to everyone that's listening or that may listen in the future, uh, try to be happy. Uh, life, as we talked about in this podcast, is bittersweet by nature. But I think it's uh, up to us as as people, as humans, to to focus on the good, to focus on not so much on the bitter, but on the sweet. While understanding that the bitter was uh, a process that we had to go through to get to the sweet part and you can't appreciate the sweet without, without the bitter yeah and so yeah just be happy do do the things that you want to do talk to the people that you want to talk to get some courage within you that i believe everybody has to follow their own calling their own passion joy and if you do more of that the more happy you're going to be and the more happiness you will give to others, which is the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. I 100% agree with everything that you said. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful. Uh, well, I'm grateful for all this wonderful food that you make for us uh, and, and that you provide provide it to everybody. I'm grateful that you have been on this show with me and we might have to have you back. <laughs> Assuming Empanadas is in here, I would I would sure hope that it is. We'll have to check. I'm sure there's uh, foods that I make that are there. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, for sure. We you, Between pizzas and pies and something, yeah, we'll, we'll get you back for sure. Um, and um, whatever, all of your like social media stuff, all your links, I will put those in the cool. show notes so people can easily find you. Uh, come up to Highland Park, come get some tons of, of vegan treats, and then, you know, Ravinia's over here. Take it over to Ravinia. Botanic Garden. Botanic Gardens. Oh, the beautiful Botanic Gardens. It's a good, make, it, make a whole day of it. That's what I tell my customers. Make a whole trip and enjoy the day. Enjoy life. Yeah. Be happy. That's what it's all about. Yep. Until next time, this is Spencer Dispensing Information. Goodbye. 